Pirates know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, joined this week by my co-host, Dal Benisario, continuing our every other week rotation with Scott Mason. Dalbin, how you doing? What have you been up to? What's going on? Doing good, Joe. I mean, yeah, Scott's been doing a hell of a job pinch hitting for me, uh, you know, and, and now he's just part of the triangle offense. We've kind of weaved him in kind of like your Knicks and Jared Jack or, you know, my Mavs and not Nerlens Noel because we don't play him anyway. Um, but no, it's been good. It's been good. Uh, you know, keep it busy with the campaign, the Jets. Uh, but it feels good to actually be back to talking with you about, you know, these last six games that we got coming up. So we don't have a game from last week to talk about as the Jets are coming off their bye week. Uh, with all the action over the previous weekend, the Jets still sort of sit in this very weird middle-of-nowhere spot where they are right. technically a game out of a playoff spot in the AFC while also being a, a game out of the fourth pick in the NFL draft. Uh, and that is a result of how bad the AFC is. Now, there's been... A lot of articles, I've seen a handful of articles about the Jets gearing up for a playoff push. I don't know. The Jets have lost four of their last five games. Yes, technically at four and six, they're only one game behind uh, the Ravens and Bills, who are current currently technically the sixth seed right now. But uh, the Dolphins are also four and six. The Raiders are four and six. Uh, the Chargers are four and six. Uh, many teams are the Bengals are four and six. <laughs> many teams are four and six in the AFC, and the Jets uh, will be playing the Carolina Panthers uh, this weekend. While a team, the team in front of them, the Ravens, will be getting to play the Texans and Tom Savage at home. Um, it's an uphill, going to be an uphill climb for the Jets, and I would say they're more likely to swing the other way towards a potential top five pick based on their schedule rather than go four and two or five and one down the stretch and potentially get a playoff spot. I think if you look at these six games and you had to rank them in the order of a most likely win to a least likely win, yeah, I would put New England and New Orleans at the top as least likely because the Jets have been bad on the road, and both those teams are arguably the two best teams in the NFL besides the Eagles right now. Uh, after that, you would probably look at their next two upcoming games, which are home against Kansas City and Carolina. Uh Kansas City has been struggling, so I'd probably put Carolina ahead of them, who's been playing well lately and is 7-3. and three. Uh, And then you have San Diego and Denver, which a lot of Jet fans are pointing to, uh, has the most winnable games on the schedule. Although, again, the Chargers have been playing better and are very much in the mix for that playoff spot as well, particularly if they could beat Dallas on Thursday. And yes, Denver has been terrible, and they're terrible at quarterback. But um, they... The Jets are going to Denver, and the Jets are one and four on the road this year. Have right. only beaten Cleveland and struggled really on the road overall the past two years when they're not playing a team who is in Cleveland. So I look at these six games. I'm sticking to my original prediction. I see a one and five finish at five and eleven. Dalbin, you're usually a little more optimistic than me. What, what do you see the final record coming in at? Where do you see potential wins or any potential blowouts coming? Yeah, I mean, I so before the season started and when I looked at this like last six game stretch, I thought that the and this is just I mean, obviously before the season, started, I thought Carolina was a probable winnable game just because Carolina tends to play down to their competition at times. They do not play very well when they travel out east, usually, you know, further east, you know, the Giants and Jets and 
and the Patriots. Um, so I I thought that was a chance for them to win, and I thought San Diego was a chance for them to win because again this was assuming that the Chargers were not going to be very good this year. Um, Carolina has been better than expected for me, um, so I would be remiss if saying like yeah I feel very confident that the Jets are going to come out and beat the brakes off of them on Sunday. I I just don't see that. Um, I do think that the Denver matchup could be a win, but again Denver's defense is not the issue. Right, it's the fact that they literally have nothing on offense. Uh, so you could be looking at 0 6, right, where it could put the Jets at 4 and 12 and pretty much in line with like a fourth pick or a fifth pick. Um, and that's not, I, and you're right, I am usually more optimistic, but realistically, it's one of those things where could they steal one against a Chargers team that just housed Buffalo last week? They could, but Buff, but San Diego runs the ball with Mel, with, with uh, Melvin Gordon. They get pressure on the quarterback with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. They have a good cornerback. They have good linebackers. They have a pretty good offensive line, and they have a guy in Keenan Allen who would probably eat Morris Claiborne's lunch if he plays, and if he doesn't play, it's even worse. And then you have you know New England and New Orleans who are probably the like the favorites to go to the Super Bowl outside, you know, in the non-Pennsylvania division, if you will, you know, with the Steelers and the Eagles. But New Orleans has transformed themselves from a, a aired out to a run control defense oriented team. So it's probably not going to be an easy game. And then New England does seem like they'll still have something to play for. I know we all thought that maybe they wouldn't have. They would have had the top seats sewn up. But because Pittsburgh has been so good, it, that last game of the season could both could actually determine home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. Um, so you, honestly, I... I would say I think the Jets are. So here's the thing, too. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but you had them at 5 and 11. But I think the, I think if I had told you that they were going to start 4 and 6, you'd probably look at it like, all right, well, maybe they'd get 6 or 7 wins. It's the way that they're going to end up being 4 and 12 or 5 and 11 because they won all those games early on. You know, they beat Cleveland, beat Jacksonville, beat Miami. People started foolishly thinking playoffs, and then now the wheels are going to fall off and they're going to end up exactly where we thought they were. Whereas if they were 0-6 or maybe even 2-8 and right now and they snuck two wins over maybe Carolina and Denver, then you're feeling good about next year. But losing six in a row to end the season is not it. Losing six after the bye to end the season is not the way that I think most people pictured it. Yeah, I mean, just the way the schedule broke out uh, ended up really being conducive to this. I don't know if everyone thought New Orleans was going to be as good as they are right now, but um, it's just a very challenging set of matchups for the Jets. And, you know, I do think on out of these six games, you know, Carolina is probably one of the more winnable ones, I would say, because, again, the Jets have played well at home, and Carolina has at times played down to their competition. They are coming off a bye week like the Jets, and I mm-hmm. do think that the Jets are going to have a tough time with Carolina's front seven, like they did with Tampa's front seven. And even though, you know, Carolina, especially now moving on from Benjamin, they run their passing game through their running backs and tight ends, and that usually is problematic for the Jets. So I worry about... um those two things with this matchup, but I think this is a game the Jets will probably be relatively competitive in, uh, similar to how they were competitive against Atlanta and, you know, competitive against New England, even at home. I do ultimately think Carolina will probably win this game and cover as a four-point favorite, but I I don't think the Jets are going to get ran out of the building at home against Carolina or Kansas City. Uh, I think really the only two games that kind of, you know, jump out to me as potential blowouts in the back half of the year are New Orleans on the road Mm -hmm. and New England on the road. But it will be interesting to see how the sort of mindset shifts around this franchise and this fan base. If they go out and they do drop to four and seven, I think at four and six, 
yes, you could keep some type of playoff discussion alive. I think at four and seven, uh, it gets a little more ridiculous because you'd basically be needing to win your last five games (laughs) and get help. So this is kind of like, I think, the final potential tipping point. Um, And before we talk a little bit more about big picture and, you know, some of the things we've been talking about on the website, I want to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, uh, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. If you are going to Jets Panthers this weekend, uh, Prime Sport will have a tailgate set up outside of the Pepsi gate before kickoff starting at 1130. Uh, you can learn more about what they have going on at primesport.com slash turn on the Jets. Also follow them on Twitter and Facebook at Prime Sport. Uh, they also will have away game packages for the Jets upcoming away games in Denver and New Orleans, two fun cities to hang out in if you're thinking of going on the road. Uh, again, that's primesport.com slash turn on the Jets. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Prime Sport. Also, this podcast is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Looking for some uh, Thanksgiving gambling to complement your meal and your political debates with your uncles and grandparents? Uh, check out mybookie.ag. Use promo code TOJ and get up to a 100% cash bonus deposit back on the first money you put into the site. That's mybookie.ag. You play, you bet, you win. Utilize that promo code TOJ for that deposit bonus back when you put your money in, myboogie.ag. All right, Dalbin, uh, I wrote my War and Peace length article yesterday about the current uh, state of the Jets and just some ideas that have kind of been kicking around my head, you know, on this team's playoff trout. And I think, you know, as someone who's 30 years old and has been covering this team for, you know, 10, 11 years now, uh, you know, the Jets, when I really started doing this, were in really kind of what you could say were the glory years of this franchise. From right. 1997 right. to 2010, 14 years, 11 of those years were 500 or better. Uh, there were seven playoff appearances. There were seven playoff wins. There were three AFC championship game appearances, two of which the Jets were winning in and making them that much more painful when they lost. Uh, but it was a good run, and I think the reputation that the Jets were this sort of you know circus laughing stock was misplaced because they were playing good football year after year. There was never more than a two-year drought that they missed the playoffs. Now, since Bart Scott's can't wait, I'm calling it the can't wait curse, since that game, uh, the Jets have not made the playoffs, right? They lost the AFC Championship game to Pittsburgh, and now if they miss the playoffs this year, it's a seven-year drought, which would be their longest drought since 1970 to 1980. Uh, Todd Bowles and Mike McCadden would be the first GM head coach combo to not make the playoffs in their first three years since 1977 uh, for the Jets. And, you know, I think what has happened here is that this organization and this fan base and the entire infrastructure around it is is sort of settled into this culture of celebrating mediocrity. And the things that always jump to my mind with this are, you know, Rex Ryan getting a Gatorade bath for going eight and eight and talking about him being a coach of the year at that point. Uh, Todd Bowles getting coach of the year talk at four and five. Uh, People being happy if the team is clearing a very low barometer for success, which is basically media's expectations. So four and six is a bad record. It's four and six, no matter what, just because some people in the media thought the Jets were going to be three and 13 this year. Going four and six is not something to be really happy about. Or if the Jets go six and 10 this year, six and 10 is six and 10. And I think it, it translates into how people look at seasons and it translates to how people look at players. And it's why 
I think fans get overexcited about people like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh McCown and even, you know, go a little too far in overrating some of their own talent, even in other positions. And, you know, I think a reoccurring problem with how the Jets have built in this sort of seven-year set is they have not invested uh, in premium positions with their top resources, right? They've tried to build their team through defensive linemen uh, and offensive guards and running backs and safeties, and they've ignored quarterback. They haven't taken a big swing at the position. They're playing low stakes blackjack, taking second round quarterbacks, fourth round quarterbacks, paying low contracts to veteran veteran journeymen. Um, they're not investing in offensive tackle. They're not investing in pass rusher outside of mid-round picks. And I think that is what's led to a team who's been 45 and 61 since 2010. And until the Jets take their resources and put them towards those positions... I don't think anything's going to change. You know, if you look at the 10 highest paid players on the team right now, it's defensive linemen, it's guards, it's running backs. You look at where they've used their first round picks, four defensive linemen, two safe, uh, a safety, uh, two safeties, I'm sorry, an inside linebacker, a complete ignorance of the offensive position. Uh, I mean, Dalvin, you, you've been covering the team basically throughout this non-playoff stretch. Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- what have you seen have, have been consistent problems with how they've been built and how people have perceived this team? Um, so, I mean, yeah, I've, yeah, I, th- yeah, I think so. Cause yeah, you brought me on to TOJ probably right after the, the last AFC title game, uh, appearance. Um, so two things definitely stand out at me the minute that I look at this team from, from kind of a uh, step back perspective, right? You know, one is this, uh, this almost this acceptance of mediocrity, right? Like, and and it's it's so weird because like I'll see fans who sit there and they'll say like oh my god it's so crazy that like you know the the tickets are fifty bucks in the upper level or whatever but then those are still the same fans that are going right and so for me it's one of those things like clearly the mediocrity does doesn't bother you that much because you're still buying tickets and going to the games right so that's one um, but that's a trickle down effect that starts with Woody Johnson that starts with you know when Rex Ryan was here when John Idzik was here and again I b- I believe that Idzik had a plan I think that this fan base I think this fan base because if you're not a big personality you get very little rope with this fan base I think this fa- with this fan base I think this fan base would prefer people who are big talk but no results so for example if Baker Mayfield got drafted here. Jet fans would love him because he'd be all big talk. Now, if he struggled, it wouldn't really bother them, right? Because, again, oh, he made, he brought attention to us. You know, it's the same thing with Rex. Oh, he brought attention to the fan base. He brought attention to this team and whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, it's a results-oriented business, and if you're not winning, that should be the bottom line. The bottom line should be if you're winning or not. I think So I think there's an acceptance from top to bottom of mediocrity. I think there's an acceptance of uh, attention being better than results. So, for example, when you see Woody Johnson go and say you don't, ha- you can't have enough Tebow, that's where the that's where the perception comes in. That like, okay, you only care, you only care about ratings. You don't care about winning. Um, so that's one. And I think again, that's a culture thing. I think it's changing, though. I do believe that it's changing. I think that it's changing under Bowles and McCagnan because they were very, very astute in their observations during the bye week, saying like, you know, this isn't good. Good enough, and I and I and I think you need to hear that. If it was Rex Ryan, you'd probably be talking about how they're the team that nobody wants to play going down the stretch. But um, so that's one. Two, I think it comes down to the quarterback, man. And again, I love Jamal Adams. I think Jamal Adams is a stud. He was my number one rated player on my board. I would have taken Deshaun Watson. I think that Watson is. I think you always take the quarterback. Darren Lee, I would have passed on him and taken Paxton Lynch. I get that it's easy to say, oh well, Paxton Lynch stinks right now. So look, McCagnan did the right thing, but realistically, Paxton Lynch does not stink. Paxton Lynch has been hurt. And, yeah, he struggled like most young quarterbacks. But you know what? I don't have a young quarterback that I can build around and a young quarterback I refuse to play. And that's what you have with Christian Hackenberg and Bryce Petty. Um, 
so I think I think it's that. I think it's constantly aiming for these. Like defensive players are always safe, right, Joe? Like we can say that, right? Defensive players, you you is what you get. Very rarely do you get a defensive player that is a bust. There's more variance with a quarterback. There's more of a floor and there's more of a ceiling. With that said, at some point the Jets have to swing for a quarterback. At some point you have to do that. Otherwise, you're essentially wasting the prime years of Quincy Anua, of Bilal Powell, of Jamal Adams, of Marcus May, of Leonard Williams, of James Carpenter, of Austin Safarian Jenkins, of Robbie Anderson. Because essentially you're building this team and then and then plugging in whatever quarterback you want to win five, six, seven games and then do the same song and dance all over again. At some I think it's it's a culture issue and a culture and, a, and an organizational acceptance of mediocrity. Coupled with the fact that the Jets refuse to go and get a quarterback. And I think that the young quarterbacks that they've had here, and this goes obviously to Sanchez and Geno Smith, there has been a refusal to, to and less with, less with Sanchez, more with Geno Smith, there has been a refusal to build around them the right way. And then now you have two that you won't play at all. So clearly, like, these are going to be misses anyway because Christian Hackenberg will now be going into his third year and hasn't played meaningful football. Bryce Petty is going into his fourth year playing, playing little to no football. It's, it's, it's a quarterback issue at the end of the day. And I think I, you and I talked about this ad nauseum. At some point, you have to get a quarterback. At some point. I, it doesn't have to be an offensive guy. It doesn't have to be a running back. It has to be a quarterback. And it has to be a quarterback that can play for you right away. Because it, it, you can't sit around and be like, oh, we're going to take another first-round quarterback and then have him sit for three years. After you've had your second-round pick sit for five years. And after you've had your fourth-round pick sit for – or third-round pick sit for another five years. It's ridiculous. It starts at the top, but it's also a quarterback issue too. Yeah, I mean, at some point... That was a lot. That was yeah. a lot. But I also feel... I feel like that's legit, though. I feel like that the Jets for so long have ignored the quarterback position, especially over the, especially during this playoff drought. They have hitched their wagon to old, mediocre quarterbacks, hoping that they can bail the team out. And it's ridiculous, and it's to the point now that you have to go and get a quarterback. Now, whatever it takes, whether it means trading your first and the two twos you got, whatever it takes, you need to go and get a quarterback. Yeah, at some point you got to shoot your shot, right? You can't just keep getting these mid-round flyers and be like, well, our coaching staff will fix them, and then you just keep these guys on ice and you never play them. Or we're just going to string it along with, you know, another guy in his 30s who could be kind of competent and make sure we don't go 2-14 and 14, but only gets us to 6-10 and 10 or 7-9. and nine. Uh, You're just running in place if you're doing that. Eventually the Jets... Now, particularly when they're going to have eight picks, potentially a top 10 pick, 80 million in cap space, go, you have to be aggressive to fixing quarterback, fixing pass rusher, building out depth on the offensive line and building out depth at the cover positions. Uh, You need to be strong uh, at those two positions on defense and strong at those two positions on offense and start building some depth. You have to do better uh, than the limited investments that they put there. Otherwise, you know, this playoff drought is just going to continue to drag on. And I think there are some good young pieces here, but like we saw from 2011 to 2016, the Jets had a great defensive line every year. It didn't matter. They didn't make the playoffs. And the Jets could be great at safety for the next few years. If they don't fix those premium positions, it's not going to matter. They're still not going to make the playoffs. You have to be able to build around uh, those areas. And hopefully, and I do think both McCadden and Bowles are going to be back next year, uh, whether that's right or not, we remain that remains to be seen. But hopefully right. heading into year four, uh, they're going to learn their lessons on the best way to structure the team. And, you know, I think the only hope here for these last six games is that we continue to see encouraging progress from certain players who should be 
key role players going forward. So Robbie Anderson and Austin Safarian Jenkins are probably going to be 2018 starters. You want to see them continuing to play well. Brandon Shell, probably a 2018 starter. Same thing for him. Uh, you'd like to see some signs of life from Hanson and Stewart because I laid this out uh, on Twitter the other day. They are just about the lowest performing wide receivers selected between rounds two and five. They're getting outperformed by all other types of players on all other types of teams. And the Jets are definitely the type of team where they should be getting opportunities. Uh, so hopefully they get those opportunities over the final six games. Defensively, um, you know, I think the Jets got to be careful not to get suckered into a potentially strong finish from Muhammad Wilkerson. You cannot have that guy on your roster having the third highest cap hit in the NFL for a non-quarterback, even if he does have a couple of flashes down the stretch. Either he has to get substantially restructured or you have to let him walk and hope that a guy like Coney Ealy could build on the type of year he's had and be someone that maybe you pair with Leonard Williams next year. Uh, at the second level of the defense, you want to see Darren Lee and Jordan Jenkins finish the season strong. And in the secondary, maybe you get some reps and get some flashes from guys like Rashard Robinson and Derek Jones. And of course, you want Adams and May uh, to finish the year strong. You want to see Adams clean up the few errors that he's had in pass coverage. And you want to see May uh, continue to make plays and basically keep doing exactly what he's been doing because he's been very good and very steady uh, from start to finish. And, you know, even if the losses do, do pile up, if you're playing competitive football like the mm -hmm. Jets have had for most of the year, uh, it's going to be hard to be too disappointed uh, with how this season went. I think, you know, anywhere between 4 and 12 is six and 6 and 10 is completely reasonable for this team. Mm -hmm. You know, if they do find a way to overachieve and finish 3 and 3 and get to 7 and 9, that's probably not going to be enough to make the playoffs. But uh, that would, I think, definitely at that point be, you know, overachieving. So, yeah. you know, Dalbin, any final words, thoughts on, you know, the game going into Carolina and, and these final few games, anything you'd like to see in particular? Yeah, I mean, I think I would caution Jet fans also to not let one really, really bad performance versus Tampa Bay skew the, the season that Todd Bowles has had. I think Bowles has been more good than bad this year. The Tampa Bay game is probably the worst game that he's coached all season, um, and it was a bad time to coach it. But realistically, I don't think anybody figured that the Jets would be a playoff team anyway. So, I mean, again, it's, so, it's always weird to me to see people get upset over it because it's like, well, I mean – if you want them to tank, then then this is good. I guess let, let it keep happening. I'm with you. I do agree that McCagnan and Bowles will be back next year. I do not think that they get that they get fired. I think Chris Johnson is going to be very apprehensive to making any real big changes. Um, I think that he's going to let McCagnan and Bowles do their job. Um, and honestly, I think that would have happened had Woody been here either. To had Woody been here also, I think that they they were safe as is. Um, I think you're right. Being competitive, I think that Bowles needs to continue to grow as a coach. I think you want want to see these young guys because right now realistically McCagnin's draft class is not like his draft classes are not trending up um and I know a lot of people like to say well Bowles isn't playing Stewart or he's not playing Hanson or he's not playing uh McGuire or whatever but uh Stewart hasn't really flashed when he's played him uh he, he's not a really good route runner Hanson has actually been a better route runner than him uh so far this season which is I I mean not really surprising because Hanson was the better receiver um but then also I you, you have McGuire who Again, I, I really, really like, but he has struggled a bit. And a lot of people like to blame that on the offensive line. I blame that more on Wesley Johnson. But, I mean, McGuire has to do something with his opportunities. I do like that Morton's used him more coming out of the backfield as a receiver and in the slot as a receiver, um, which is something that I've been asking for for, like, weeks. But I think it's honestly just 
it's the Jets have a really good opportunity to, to go into 2018 with a lot of really good energy, and that involves obviously not getting the, not getting blown out by by the New Orleans of, and the New Englands of the world, and they've done a good job of doing that of not getting blown out yet. I know Oakland won by 13, but realistically the Jets were in that game through the first half. Um, so just end the season on a good note. Go into 2018 with cap cap space picks and some pretty easy decisions to make do not pay mo claiborne try to trade mo wilkerson if you can't trade him try to restructure him if you can't restructure him cut him out right let him walk um demario davis should be back because he's been very good um and then just kind of get ready for 2018 but it, you have to end this season on a good note i feel all right that is going to wrap it for us this week we will be back next week to talk about jets panthers preview jets chiefs Alex Smith, the God, coming back to MetLife Stadium <laughs> after a horrid performance against the Giants. Please, God, Mike McCagnan, don't even think about it. 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 No trading picks for Alex Smith. No signing Alex picks. No tra- trading picks for Alex Smith. I can't even talk about it. Drives me crazy. It'd be worse than uh, drafting Josh, Josh Allen at this point. Anyway, make sure to follow Dalbin on Twitter at DA underscore Asario. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Uh, check out our website, turnonthejets.com, for all coverage throughout the rest of the week and this weekend. Check out our store at The Loyalist for some Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, all that good stuff, sales of all our gear. All uh, of that. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes to turn on the Jets. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes to play like a Jet. Scott will have a new episode out this Friday. Uh, We will be announcing what that guest is in the next 24 hours or so. Uh, So that will be, again, on Friday. So subscribe to Play Like a Jet on iTunes as well. Review, rate for that and for the Turn the Jets podcast. Uh, Thank you, you everybody, for listening. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Don't fight too much with your family. uh, And we'll be back next week.